I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks, and I have been uh, married for 15 years. Yeah. I didn't, you're the only service that, that got excited about that, so thank you. I've been married 15 years. Uh, my wife, Erin, is, is amazing. She um, really knocks this whole, like, mom and wife thing out of the park. Uh, I married way up. Uh, we met when I was in eighth grade, when we were in eighth grade, and I tricked her to marry me when we were 19, and she can't go back, right? So she's stuck, and uh, she puts up with a lot with me, but she, I can't imagine doing uh, what I do for Jesus and for this church and for the kingdom of God uh, without Aaron. She supports me and loves me, and her wisdom is always there, and uh, I, just, I just married way up, all right? I married way up. She loves the Lord, and it's been awesome. But I can say, I think I can accurately and honestly say that I know my wife Erin better than anyone else on the planet. I know my wife Erin better than anyone else. Like I know her dislikes and her likes. Like I know that she likes Dr. Pepper and she likes Reese's and not just Reese's, but she really likes like the, the Christmas tree Reese's or the, or the eggs. Some of you have never said amen in your life and today you're like, yes. Those are better, all right? So she loves those. I, I know that she likes Chinese food. Um, I know that she likes documentaries, and she is addicted to Survivor. Uh, she has watched, I think there's 73 seasons in Survivor to date, and she's watched it 73 times. And so all the way through, she loves Survivor. On a more serious note, I, I know that, that she hates kind of the games that people play, you know? She wishes, socially, she wishes that, that people would just kind of shoot her straight and she'll shoot everybody else straight. That really gets on her nerves. I, I know that she is passionate about, about helping kids in crisis and she gets, she gets angry when she sees injustice towards the weak and the vulnerable. I also know that she heats up the same cup of coffee like 37 times in one day, all right? And then she still doesn't drink it. And that she likes heavy whipping cream in her coffee and nothing else will do. I know her. I know her better than anyone else on the planet. And I, I know how to make her smile. And I know how to make her not smile. And I'm good at both. All right? I can do, I can do either. I know her pet peeves and her quirks and, and all of that. I know her internal struggles because I fight them with her. I, I know my wife, Erin. But I'm still discovering things about her. 15 years in, I'm still discovering things about her. Sometimes she will smile at something that I didn't expect to make her smile. She'll be moved by something that I didn't expect to move her. She'll express a passion about something that I didn't know she had a passion for. And I'm still surprised by her at times. Like when we were in Chicago a few months ago, I was, I was there for a few days um, planning the next sermon series for the next six months at that time. And, uh, and Aaron was with me just kind of hanging out. Nana and Papa were watching the kids. And so during the day, I would post up in a, in a coffee shop on Michigan Avenue, and she would just go out and do whatever she wanted. And you may not know this about me, but I 
I'm an introvert, okay? I, I get drained if I'm around people too much, and I need alone time. I need, and I almost always choose, like, let's hang out at the house over go out and be around a bunch of people. Now, you can question my choice of career later, all right? But that's, that's just the truth, all right? I'm just more of an introvert. And my wife, Erin, she is an extrovert. She's a, she's a woman of the people, all right? She likes to be around the people. We always used to joke uh, that, you know, when, when we, we still do, actually, now that we've lived here long enough, that she, she will always see people that she knows in a restaurant. She will always go and shake hands and kiss babies and all that, just like a politician, all right? She's a good politician. And I'm always like this. I don't know you. I didn't see you, right? And so I'm just going to sit down and hope for the best. And so that's kind of where I'm at. So she, she's more of an extrovert. And um, so when we were in Chicago, you know, uh, that trip a couple months ago, at the end of the day, after I've been riding all day, we met back up at our Airbnb because we're too cheap for a hotel. And, and uh, I just said, hey, what'd you do today? And and I was surprised to hear her say, well, I went to, went to a couple shops, and then, and then I, I went to the library. And I just, I just read, and I, I watched a documentary. And I was like, really? I thought you'd be, like, out among the people, like, trying to find somebody you know in Chicago, because that's kind of her thing. She sees people she knows everywhere that she doesn't actually know. All right, do you know anybody like that? That's, just, that's my wife. She, it's awesome. Like, hey, I know you. No, I don't. All right. I'm always like, she says she knows somebody, and I just sit down. I'm like, let's watch this play out. I don't want to be a part of that. And so I was like, I expect you to be out among the people, going from site to site to site, shop to shop to shop, like going and doing things. And she said, yeah, me too. But I just, I'm around five little people all day, every day, and I just needed a break. Like, I just needed some alone time. I kind of a small percentage of myself as an introvert, and I needed to be alone. And she did that. She did that every day while we were in Chicago. She posted up in a library and watched a documentary or Survivor, and uh, she, she kind of got rejuvenated that way. I was surprised by that. I didn't expect that. I know her, but I'm still learning things about her. I'm still learning things about my wife. And, and everybody's like that, right? Like the longer you know somebody, you're their friend or you're married to them or they're in your family or whatever, the more you discover about them. People are complex. Like the essence of a person, the sum of a person is not found in some list of their likes or dislikes, their characteristics, their attributes, even their purposes, right? It's, it's, it's everybody. Everybody is like that, including my wife, including the people that you know. I'm still learning things about my best friends. I'm still learning things about my kids. I, I'm, and I don't think I'll ever get to a place where I've kind of got Aaron down. Like I've got her figured out. Um, I think as long as I, my eyes are open and I'm, and I'm listening and watching and learning, that I'll always be discovering new things about Aaron. People are like that. You and me, we we're like that. And people, people were created in the image and in the likeness of God, right? We were created in the image and the likeness of God. We're in a seven-week series we started last week on the Holy Spirit, just called Ghosted. If you haven't been in church long or, or you're just now starting this whole thing, um, we as Christ followers, we believe that God is one God, but that he has three persons, three distinct persons within himself. And it's kind of confusing. We call this mystery the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But if we're honest about it, in our neck of the woods, a lot of us really live like there's only two members of the Trinity, right? God the Father and God the Son. Or worse, 
We, we replace God the Holy Spirit with something else. We live like, we never say this, but we live like it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Or God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Church. Or God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Saints. Or whatever. We live in this different way. We live like the Holy Spirit is like kind of the forgotten member of the Trinity. Like he doesn't matter. He's third in command and so I'll just talk to the top dog, right? I won't mess with the Holy Spirit. We, we kind of ignore the Holy Spirit. We ghost the Holy Ghost. Have you ever been ghosted before? If you've got a teenager, you've been ghosted, whether you realize it or not. Ghosting just means that you, you kind of drop off the face of the earth. If you've been ghosted, it's, it's, it's somebody you love kind of just disappears without notice. They stop texting, stop returning calls, stop returning messages and emails, whatever. No explanation. And so teenagers love to do this a lot to parents. I'm not trying to be mean to teenagers, but they do. And so they, they're always like, mom's like, why didn't you text me back? And they're like, oh, you just sent seven messages. I wait for the eighth message and then I text back, right? Like, that's how, ghosting doesn't feel good when you're ghosted. And we, we tend to ignore the Holy Spirit. We ghost the Holy Spirit. We act like he's not here and he's not talking to us. We ignore him. And, and I want you to know that as your pastor, I, mean, I do not want to live my life without the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live my life without the power, work, and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to live your life without him either. I think it's a huge mistake to ghost the Holy Ghost, to ignore the work and the the presence and the power and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you a verse really quick. This is kind of the verse that this this, uh, series of messages, Ghosted, is kind of based on. It's John 16, verse 7. We'll get into John 16 in a minute, but let me show you this verse. We kind of covered it last week. It says this. Jesus is talking, and he says, It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. I mean, most of us would, have, would rather Jesus have stayed around, right? Like, like died on the cross for our sins, resurrected, but then stuck around on earth. But here Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's better for you. It's better for you. The Holy Spirit coming was better for you than Jesus staying. It's that vital. The Holy Spirit is that vital. So the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing. If you love Star Wars, Holy Spirit is not the force. That's not, that's not what he is. That's not who he is. So last week we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk to you about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in John 14, 15, and 16. And John 14, 15, and 16 is kind of the passage on the purpose of the Holy Spirit in all of the Bible. There's a lot in other places about the Holy Spirit, but this is the most concise where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about his purpose. So John 14, 15, and 16. We're going to read through this, kind of go verse by verse through the passages I've got for you. I'll explain it as we go, and then we'll kind of boil it down into what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But like, uh, but like Pastor Kevin was saying a minute ago, I need your participation today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Okay, I don't want you to be scared, all right? But I, I want you to, I'm going to ask you to do this. One, as we're going through these passages, anything you see that has to do with the purpose of the Holy Spirit, I want you to write it down. So here's another way to say that. Anything that you see that the Holy Spirit does, I want you to write that down. 
okay? In the passages, just the passages, John 14, 15, and 16. Write it down. And then when we get to it, I'm going to ask you to kind of tell me what you wrote down. What is it that the Holy Spirit does? And I'm going to write it up on the board, and we're going to talk about it, okay? So I know a lot of your names. And so if you're just sitting there like this, I'm going to call you out, all right? I'm going to call you out by name. Like, dude, you didn't get one thing, just one thing from three chapters. So I will call you out. So don't make me do that, all right? And don't let the high schoolers shame you by getting all of them, all right? So make sure you write this down as we go through it, and then we'll come back, and I'll ask you to yell them out, and we'll write them up on the board, and we'll kind of talk through it. Okay, let's look at John 14, 15. We're going to look at chapters 14, 15, and 16. We'll start in verse 15. Of John 14, Jesus is speaking, and he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Ugh, it's already hard, right? A love for Jesus, a true love for Jesus, will have you desiring and seeking out and trying to keep his commandments. In fact, I would say, if you have not a desire to keep Jesus' commandments, his words, then you would have to at least ask yourself if you have a true and lasting love for Jesus Christ. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, I think the disciples probably looked back when Jesus said this, looked at Jesus kind of defeated. They had looks of defeat on their faces. They're thinking, man, I do love you, Jesus, but you got a lot of commands. Like, I've been with you for three years. Like, which commands? All, like, all of them? I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can keep your commandments. And so Jesus continues in verse 16. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so, so Jesus is talking about this idea that he is about to ascend into heaven. He's going to leave, and he's talking to his disciples about that. They didn't expect that. They didn't get that. They were expecting a militant Messiah, a Messiah who would come and set up Israel as kind of the center of the world and overthrow Rome and throw off Roman oppression and kind of usher in this utopian, you know, thousand years or something. And so they, they kind of expected Jesus to do that. And now he's saying that he's going to leave. And he says, if you love me, I'm going to go somewhere. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But you can't by yourself. So I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. He's with you now. But after I leave, he'll be in you. So there's going to be a change. It's going to be different. And then Jesus says, he won't leave them. He won't leave us. He didn't leave us as orphans. He didn't abandon us. And when he says that, he's talking about the idea that he's going to come back. And he's talking about the idea that he's giving us the Holy Spirit in the meantime until he comes back. Okay? Look at verse 19. Jesus says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, so some, some Trinity talk there. The Trinity is hard to understand, not because 
Not because it's messed up, but because our minds are too finite to understand infinite things, right? So when we're struggling, when we're struggling to understand God, it's not because he doesn't make sense. It's because we lack the ability to fully understand him. So, so the disciples are confused too. They're like, how is this really going to happen? And so the good Judas asks a question. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. So Jesus just said that he's going to, that they're going to see him, but the world is not going to see him, right? He, he's going to show himself to them, the disciples, but not to the world. And he was taught, we know he was talking about the Holy Spirit living in us, but the disciples didn't get that. And so Judas, the good Judas, his answer is, how's this going to work? Or his question, how's this going to work? How are we going to see you, but the world's not? I'm not getting it, Jesus. Like, are you going to be like an imaginary friend? Or like, what's going to happen? How are they not going to see you while we will be able to see you? In verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If you're counting, that's the third time in this short passage that Jesus has said the same thing. A follower of Jesus, somebody who loves Jesus, those who love Jesus will keep his commandments. That's the third time he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him, with him. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Look at verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Lots of Trinity talk in that too, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father will send the Holy Spirit in the Son's name and he'll live in you, right? The Spirit in you, Jesus and the Father. But the question from the good Judas was how is this going to work that you're going to make it to where we can see you, but the world can't? You're going to be with us, but not with the world. How is that going to work? And Jesus' answer is that he is going to accomplish that by sending the Holy Spirit to live in you. In other words, he goes, guys, it's not going to be like it is now. The Holy Spirit is not going to be in bodily form like I am now. He's going, the Spirit of God is going to live in you as my followers, as my disciples, those who love me and keep my commands, as my disciples, he's going to live in you, but not in the world and not in those who do not follow me. And he says he'll teach you and he'll remind you of the truth that I have already taught you. Okay, flip the page, at least in my Bible, and look at John 15. One chapter later, chapter breaks uh, in the Bible are not in the original text. That's something we put in later so we could find verses and stuff. This is an example of where a chapter break is not that great uh, because it cuts what Jesus is saying kind of in half. And so if you read chapter 15 one day and chapter 16 the next day, you may think these things are different. They're not. It's one thing. So we'll pick it up in, uh, in verse 26 of chapter 15, and we'll go through into verse or chapter 16, and it's all one thing. Right before what we're going to read, Jesus is talking about persecution, and he tells the disciples that they will be persecuted, mocked, betrayed, whatever, because, hated, because they follow Jesus. 
The world hated me, Jesus says, and they're going to hate you. And then it says this in verse 26. Jesus says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth that is going to bear witness about Christ. Look at verse 1 of the next chapter, chapter 16. He says, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. To keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Okay, so that passage, at least the beginning of it, is a tough one if your theology is that once you're saved, you can't possibly fall away, right? Because Jesus says, some of you are going to fall away, right? He says, so that you don't fall away. He says, things are going to get really, really bad. Things are going to get really, really bad. People are going to murder you and call it a righteous killing for God. They're going to think that, that they're doing service to God by killing you. I'm telling you about the Spirit, Jesus says. I'm telling you about the Helper coming so that when that happens, you will not fall away. You will not fall away. Beloved, the true test of a Christ follower is what you do when things go really bad right? It's what you do when things go really bad. Anyone can claim to follow Christ when they're healthy and wealthy and getting everything they want. That's easy. The question is, will you remain steadfast when all falls apart? If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you will have the Holy Spirit living in you and you will not fall away. Look at, look at the next verse, verse 5. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He says, you're sad because I'm leaving. Seven, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. There it is, the, the verse, kind of the core verse for our series on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming is better for you than Jesus staying. It's hard to believe, but it's absolutely true. The next few verses here speak to purpose, and then we're going to not read anymore. So verse 8, we'll start with verse 8. It says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Skip down to verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, glorify Christ, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay. A lot in there. John 14, 15, and 16, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Let's do this. Let's get some class participation. I warned you that you would be writing down the things that the Holy Spirit does from John 14, 
15 and 16, like verbs, action words. What does the Holy Spirit do? So here's your chance to shine, all right, and show me that you actually wrote something down, all right? You ready? Third service going to show up today. You ready? All right. One person from third service is ready. Anybody else ready? All right, good. That section will not be ready. It's okay. I'm not expecting you to be ready, all right? You two got it? I'm just kidding, that section. You guys are going to do great. All right, that section. Is it third section? Is it second section? I'm not sure. So let's just call it that section. You're this section, and you're the middle section. All right. So what in those passages, John 14, 15, and 16, speaks to the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Ready? Go. Okay, he convicts. He helps. Good. He teaches. Just from this passage, he convicts, helps, guides. Somebody said something else. Oh, guides. I didn't write it down. Guides, teaches. Okay, what else? Lives in you, so he dwells in you. Good. What else? Reminds. Reminds of the truth. Reminds of the truth. He declares specifically things that are to come. What else? He bears witness about Jesus. Bears witness about Christ. What else? He glorifies Christ. Good. What else? He gives some peace. Jesus says, peace I give to you, not like the world, but he's talking about the helper, so I think it's true. He gives peace, the Holy Spirit does. What else? Teaches. Takes. Takes what? Yeah. So he, he has what is, we'll just stick with declares. He declares and speaks what is mine that is from the Father. Okay, I'm not going to write all that up there, but you got it. Someone else? Yeah, he stays. Good. And then I think also um, that he, it says he helps us understand, right? And one more. Uh, he lives in you. Got that one with dwells in you. Good. He changes us. He testifies. That's, that's bears witness. One more, I would just say the word's not in this, but he's talking about uh, staying strong in persecution, giving you the power to stay strong in persecution. So I'm going to use this word. Uh, it definitely shows up in other parts of the Bible, that he empowers you, okay? So he does all these things, convicts, guides, dwells in, helps, teaches, reminds of the truth, bears witness, declares, glorifies Christ, helps us understand, stays with us, empowers us, gives us peace. I think that's pretty much it, especially in these few passages that we read. Let's do this. I want to I kind of talk about these things uh, in a different paradigm, okay? So kind of so we can understand it a little better. Um, in this paradigm, same things we just said, and we can use them multiple times, okay, in, in different columns, but I want to talk about them in this, from this view. What does the Holy Spirit do before salvation? What does he do at salvation? And what does he do after salvation, okay? Before salvation, at salvation, and after salvation. So what does the, from this passage, same words we just used, what does the Holy Spirit do before salvation? He convicts us. Very good. What else? Guides. I'm going to hold guides for later, but I get what you're saying. What else? Declares. He declares. I'm going to say bears witness about Christ because we didn't know him before salvation. Okay, one more. He teaches us. I'm going to hold that. One more. 
dwells in? Does he dwell in us before salvation? Probably not. He glorifies Christ. Do you think he glorifies Christ before salvation? Yes or no? All right. Glorifies Christ. And really, I think that's it. That's the three things from this passage that the Holy Spirit does before salvation. Let's talk about at salvation. What does the Holy Spirit do at salvation? There we go. He dwells in us. You can check out um, Ephesians chapter 1. That's where it talks about the Holy Spirit seals us. So you can kind of look at that a little later. But he dwells in us at salvation. And really, there's, from this passage, there's only one other thing he does at salvation. What is it? Convicts. We got that over here. He's convicting us before salvation. He, does he think he, what, somebody said it? He glorifies Christ, right? You think he glorifies Christ at our salvation? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay. Now let's look at after salvation. So what does the Holy Spirit do after salvation? Go. He teaches. What else? He guides us. What else? He empowers us. What else? He continues to convict us. Sometimes we act like he doesn't, but he does. Yeah? What else? He glorifies Christ. He stays in us, right? Dwells in us. What else? Bears witness about Christ. He continues to do that. Continues to declare things. He reminds us of the truth. That's what Jesus said. What else? Teaches, guides, empowers, convicts, glorifies us, stays in us, bears witness about Christ, reminds us. I think that's basically it. I feel like we're missing one. Does anybody think of it? He declares things. I got that with bears witness. Anything else? He helps us. He's called the helper, right? So I think it's good to, to, with the idea that he, he helps us. Good. Okay, so, so just a couple of, first of all, good job, everybody. Way to go. Way to go. Woo! Hey, you guys won the, the competition, right? Third, third service won. So um, just two, two quick observations about this. First of all, it's pretty obvious, but, but what does the Holy Spirit do all the time? He glorifies Christ, right? He glorifies Christ all the time. Before salvation, at salvation, after salvation, he glorifies Christ. Listen, beloved. This is not a competition between the members of the Trinity. Um, This is not like a Trinitarian triathlon where you're like rooting for the Father to win. This is not like flavors of ice cream where you're like, I like the Father flavor. No, I like the Son flavor. I like the Holy Spirit flavor. there There is no competition between them. If you think that there are Jesus people and there are Holy Spirit people, you are wrong. The Holy Spirit, his overarching purpose is to glorify Christ. And Christ said that he is the way to the Father, right? So Holy Spirit, Son, Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All pushing us in the same direction. Leading us in the same direction. So this is not a competition. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ at all times. The second thing I wanted to point out is this, what, when does the Holy Spirit do the majority of his work? After salvation. It's not, it's not a trick question. I'll ask you guys again. You, read, you did this. I mean, you listed all these things. It's pretty, pretty obvious, right? When does the Holy Spirit do the majority of his work? After salvation, right? He does it, he does it after salvation. So if you, if you would call yourself a Christ follower, then the Holy Spirit should be at work in your life 
now more than he has ever been. Now, what tends to happen is kind of the opposite, isn't it? We kind of think of the Holy Spirit as this impersonal force that pushes us to salvation or pulls us across the finish line of salvation, and then he kind of leaves. He gives us the truth, he enlightens our hearts to the truth, and he just, he just kind of leaves. We don't think of him working after this. And so we say things like, well, I got saved. I got saved when I was 14. I got saved when I was at youth camp. I got saved last Last year, two years ago. Okay, what happened since you got saved? Well, I, I go to church. Is that it? I mean, is that all? Because, I mean, we're talking about heaven and hell hanging the balance. We're talking about Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, entering human history, dying on the cross for your sin and my sin, resurrecting and defeating death, hell, and the grave forever, ascending into into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father and sending us the Holy Spirit so that you could get saved and go to church? God forbid that's all that we got, right? Surely that's not it. And yet, we give our lives to Jesus or start going to church. We have all this excitement. We have all this movement. But then somewhere along the way, it wanes. It goes away. Why? Why does that excitement go away? It's because we're ghosting the Holy Ghost when he does the majority of his work. We're acting like he doesn't do anything else. Like he's a one-hit wonder. He did his job and he's gone. So he's trying to guide us, but but we're not listening. He's trying to teach you, but you think that the time for teaching is over. The Holy Spirit has done his work. He's trying to convict you, but you think the time for conviction is gone because the Holy Spirit convicted you one time of sin, and you raised your hand, and you said, I want to have Jesus live in my heart, and now you don't deal with sin, right? You guys, perfect, no problem. We think that conviction is already past. He's trying to remind us of the truth of Christ, but we're just not open to it. He's trying to empower us, but we're not ready to receive. It's because we're ghosting him right when he does the most of his work, the majority of his work as the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. So the overarching purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ at all times. And he does the majority of his work after you give your life to Christ, which would be the worst time to ghost him, right? After you give your life to Christ. This is his purpose. John 14, 15, 16. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of the Spirit. And I do not want you to miss that message, that service, okay? I get excited about like every week, right? You know that? Uh, But I really am, truthfully, I am more excited about this sermon coming up next week on the power of the Holy Spirit than I have been about any sermon in a long time. And that's saying a lot because you know I get excited, all right? And so don't miss it. Be in the house. Be at Washington campus. Be at Germantown campus. Be here. Get your family here to receive what God has for you as we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not miss that. But before we close today, I want you to understand something. Just like the sum of a person, like my wife Erin, is not found in a list 
of their attributes or even an understanding of their purpose. So the essence of the Holy Spirit is not found in such things either. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Understanding his purpose, understanding who he is, that stuff is vitally important. But it's not the end game, is it? It's not the end game. Like if I want to know who my wife is, if I want to know her more, like understanding her likes and dislikes, writing that down, studying about her, that that's going to help, but that's not the end game. That's not really what this is, this is about. If I want to know my wife more, what do I have to do? I got to spend time with her, right? It's not rocket science, husbands. Let me hear a husband. If I want to know my wife more, what do I need to do? Spend time with her, right? Talk to her. It's got to go beyond texting. It's got to go beyond a black and white list of her attributes or even her purpose on this earth. It's got to go beyond that. Like, like absolutely, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Study about the Holy Spirit. Look at scriptures about the Holy Spirit. Listen to sermons like this one and those in this series about the Holy Spirit. But that's just to help you get to know him. In the end, you're going to have to spend time with him to really know the Holy Spirit. Could we throw that slide up there? To really know the Holy Spirit, you can't just study about him. You need to spend time with him. To really know the Holy Spirit, you can't just study about him. You're going to need to spend time with him. You need to talk to him. Ask him what he wants. Ask him what pleases him, what he doesn't like, what grieves him, how you're to proceed. It's a, you need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, should I go this way or that way? Holy Spirit, what should I do about what my daughter just said to me? What should I do about what this person just said to me? Holy Spirit, our family spending our time, so much time and money and energy in this one thing, is that, is that something that pleases you or is that something that grieves you? Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin. Guide me to the truth of Christ. Guide me to righteousness. Make me more like Jesus. If you want to know the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to spend time with him, not just study about him. You got to spend time with him sitting and listening, asking and praying. Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want more of your presence, your power, your voice, your guidance, your conviction. I want to feel your presence. I want to hear your voice. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you, Holy Spirit. You need to spend time with him. Beloved, the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force. And he's not a one-hit wonder. He doesn't save you and then leave. He dwells in you. He's available to you at all times. So my question, my first question for you to think about and answer for yourself is this. Have you ever asked God the Holy Spirit to save you? And live in you. Have you ever asked God the Holy Spirit to save you and live in you? Now, you would know if you had. Because it would mean that you were convicted of your sin. You heard and understood the truth of Christ. And you were transformed, empowered, made different. Set on a course that would lead you to carry out the mission of Christ at all costs. So you would know. 
if you would ask the Holy Spirit to save you and live in you? My second question is this. If, if you have done that, how often do you spend time with the Holy Spirit to know him more? How often do you spend time with the Holy Spirit to know him more? Have, have you ever set aside time just to talk to the Holy Spirit, just to spend time in his presence, just to listen to him, just to ask him questions, just to make sure that you're on the right track? Have you ever set aside set aside time to, to have, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, baptize you, equip you, empower you to carry out his mission on earth? Have you ever spent time with the Holy Spirit? Do you do it, do you do it often? <coughs> do, you do, do you do it often? Do you set aside time to spend with the Holy Spirit often? Or, or are you ghosting him? Right when he does the most of his work, the majority of his work, are, are you ghosting him? Are you ignoring him? Oh, my heart breaks for those of you who have never invited the Holy Spirit into your life. I mean, I've been praying for you. I wept for you as I prepared this sermon. There is no following Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You need him. I need him. And it's, it's better, beloved, it's better. Jesus said the Holy Spirit coming is better for you than him staying. It's it's better. You need him. And all you have to do, you don't have to wait six weeks. You don't have to say an incantation. You don't, you don't have to go to some other place, go to Israel or somewhere to get the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is open. Open your mind. Open your heart. Open your hands. Open your life to the Holy Spirit. Invite him to come in. At all of our campuses, online, Washington, Germantown. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your grace that is always available to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word that's timeless and timely. It never changes and it always changes us. Holy Spirit, thank you for enlightening our hearts to the truth of your word today. You know my prayer and what it's been. My prayer is that your presence, Holy Spirit, would so permeate the people listening to this message, those in the room or otherwise, that it would transform lives, that you, Holy Spirit, your presence would transform lives, that all of a sudden, those of us who came in dry and weak, would leave refreshed and empowered by your spirit like never before. I want more of you in my life. Let us have a hunger for you, Jesus. A hunger for you, Holy Spirit. So as we continue in an attitude of prayer today, I, I want to give you an opportunity. Everybody in the room, I want to give you an opportunity. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if you're in here and you have You've never invited the Holy Spirit to save you and live in you. You've never really given your life over to God. Maybe you've tried, but it's just never stuck. You've never been able to pull it off. Maybe that's because you've been trying with your own power, in your own strength. But you've never surrendered your life to God completely. Never given your life to Jesus. Not really. If that's you, 
I just want to invite you to make that decision right now. To ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the truth of the gospel. To ask the Holy Spirit to help you con- or to, to convict you of your sin. To lead you to Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to live in you, to transform you, to make you new, to guide you from this day forward. Ask the Holy Spirit to once and for all, help you once and for all, surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you, you don't have to say a certain prayer or or talk to a priest or a pastor or anything like that. You just have to have a heart that wants to give your life to Jesus. So just, just pray in your own words. Just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to transform you. Declare that you surrender your life to Jesus and you want him to lead your life from this day forward. Don't leave here without making that decision for Christ. And then if you're in here and you would say, I'm I'm a Christ follower. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in me. But but if you're honest, you'd say, yeah, I've been ghosting him for a while. Or maybe I've never lived my life in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit like you're describing, Pastor Jake. I kind of live my life doing the stuff, but it's not really, the Holy Spirit is not really there. Maybe you feel like Christianity, following Christ, has become this one one big obligation. You're, You're dry. You're feeling like you're burning out. Maybe you need direction and you just can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, whether you used to walk in the power and presence of the Spirit before, you never have, but you're a Christ follower. If you would say, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of his guidance. I want more of his voice. I want more of his conviction, his teaching. I want him to remind me of the truth. I want more of his presence in my life. I want more of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. Just as a gesture, this is kind of a symbol saying you want more of the Holy Spirit. Just put your hands out in front of you and use your hands to kind of form a cup like you're ready to receive. And listen, I don't know why you would not want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more. I want more of his guidance and his voice. So this is for everybody. If you're a Jesus follower, put your hands out. You would say, yes, the Holy Spirit is good. I want more of him in my life. All those things John 14, 15, and 16 said, I need that. I want that. I want the Holy Spirit, more of him in my life. If that's you, just put your hands out, kind of form a cup, and I want to pray for you. God, I pray for those in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray for those in this room that would be bold enough to do this very simple thing that probably nobody is seeing, to put their hands out in the form of a cup. Those who are bold enough to do even that simple thing. God, I pray that you would reward them for their boldness. You would reward them for seeking after you, Holy Spirit. And you would right now, in this moment, fill them like they've never been filled before. Your scriptures, we'll talk about it next week, but your scriptures talk about in Acts the baptism of the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So I just pray that those who are hungry for more of you, Holy Spirit, would be filled, that they would have more of your guidance, more of your presence, more of your conviction, more of the truth, that their lives would begin to glorify Christ even more because the Holy Spirit is working through them to do that. Anyone who is hungry for the Holy Spirit in this place, I pray in the name of Jesus, 
that Holy Spirit, you would fill them, guide them, teach them, convict them. That they would leave here more in tune with your spirit than ever before. And more than anything else, I pray that you would birth within every person listening, every person in this room, a passion and a hunger and a desire for your spirit. Because we can't do this thing without your spirit. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? Here's my prayer for us today. May your thoughts, your heart, your life be filled with the Holy Spirit from this day forward. May you run to him every morning and may we be a church that's known for our hunger and for the activity of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Don't miss next week when we talk about the power of the Spirit. We've got prayer workers at the side that would love to pray for you. If you're going, man, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want Him to move. Maybe you just want to sit back down in a minute while we sing this song and just pray. Maybe you want to go get prayer and say, would you just pray for me to receive the Holy Spirit more in my life, to be more open to Him, however you want to phrase that. Maybe you get prayer. But um, make sure you talk this over with your life group this week. Uh, This should be good discussion. If you're not in a life group, Stop at Connection Central and we'll get you plugged in. And as always, my challenge to you is to leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. May you go in peace and in the power of the Holy Spirit today. I'll see you next week.